and welcome to the latest episode of the next report. Um, I'm Thomas. I'm just going to fly solo for a moment, but we will be having a guest on, and I want to preface this by saying that um, this guest has views that are going to be considered very controversial, and they do not necessarily reflect the views that I hold or my co-hosts hold. With that said, it is important to note that, you know, in light of the recent controversy in Indiana and everywhere else, um, everybody has a right to express their opinion and to deny those rights to people because we have disagreements on them is not healthy for an open debate and a healthy debate. So with that in mind, uh, in a moment, I'm going to be dialing uh, Paul Topetti, who is the lead singer of the independent band Poker Face, and uh, they've been on the indie music scene for a few years. So um, uh, without further ado, and I'm doing this on my tablet, by the way, I'm going to call him on my phone and have him on speakerphone because that's the best solution that I was able to come up with. So um, in a, about a few moments, we will do that, and and we'll uh, get started. So uh, here goes. I'm going to be dialing him right now. And he should be on speaker in a moment. Hi, you reached Paul on the bad poker phase. Please leave a message. Hey, Paul, this is Thomas. Um, hey, Paul, this is Thomas. I'm just trying to reach you at the moment um, for our interview for the Next Report podcast. Um, if you could call me back or give me a moment, I'll try calling you again at 660-441-7306. That would be awesome. Um, let me try again a few moments. Uh, well... Um, well, he wasn't there, but, um, um, that's all right. Anyway, um, I'm sure, um, I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to get a hold of him. There's a reason I said nine Eastern because I'm in the central standard time zone, which would mean it would be 8 PM. Oh man. I tried calling him on the dot too. <laughs> uh, but the... Um, in terms of the music industry, he has some uh, fairly unique insights and everything else. Oh, here he comes. Hey there. Sorry about missing you the first time. It's all good, man. Um, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, usually busy as always, man. Always got a ton of shit to do. All right, I am already recording uh, this episode. Um, it's, it was kind of a clue putting it together, but um, well, I would have used I would have used a combination of a headphone splitter and two mics, and a few mics, one going into a computer, one going towards the phone, and all that. But um, I felt that that could have been 
somewhat problematic at this point because I'd rather quality not suffer. Um, there's a reason that our shows doesn't sound like a tin can because we don't record <laughs> on mono. It's recorded on full stereo and everything else, and that's why our files are somewhat bigger than your normal podcast. Um, that's cool. I wanted to start by going over the history of Poker Face because the audience of the podcast aren't necessarily familiar with your band, the changes that you know you guys have gone through over the years and everything else. So um, how about a brief history of Poker Face, how it started out and how it kind of started getting more and more into uh, political discussions We were going to try to be like the next Beatles of our generation, writing pop love rock. And uh, we did our first disc called Game of Love. Kind of like a full songs. As you say, it's a, it's a thematic disc because all full songs relate to the uh, puppy love relationships. And then we started writing the same kind of thing on our second disc called Next. And about halfway through the disc, you notice that lyrically the band takes 180 degrees away from pop love, full on into politics and spirituality. And we had to look back. The third disc was uh, Sex, Lies, and Politics. It was the beginning of me uh, playing guitar and the development of the sound that we have today, which is uh, a wall of guitars and multi-layered harmonies. I came up with a fourth disc called Made in America, a fifth one called Peace of War, and we're about to release our sixth one called Tyranny Be Some America sometime later this year. Um, your latest album, what what direction is it going to focus on? Because e- each each disc has focused on somewhat of a different direction, different conversations uh, throughout. Okay, Dick. Yeah, I'm still here. No, I said you think because uh, oh. we've, uh, politically and spirituality-wise, uh, lyrically, we've pretty much stayed on message, if anything, because we've read a lot more, we've networked a lot more, met a lot more people over the years, and, you know, the opinions that we have have become more focused, um, but uh, no, we haven't. Uh, we haven't heard from Method since we we started going down this path, and uh, and I'd say about ninety four, yeah, about twenty years now. Well, I mean, there were specific things that were kind of focused on from secret societies, and then and then other topics. Some topics I've noticed cropped up consistently: legalization of you know marijuana. With your song Rasoline, among other things. Uh, Before that, it was, uh, yeah, Heidi High. There's another one. Um, I don't know, we've been, uh, (laughs) Pennsylvania Normal, uh, National, the National um, Organization to Reform Marijuana Laws, we've been big supporters of the national level. We've used uh, some of our music. Um, Yeah, things that are. 
Well, if you have real freedoms, then you have the right, you have the freedom to choose what you put in your body. Even if it's something not good for you, it's your choice. Um, only slaves don't have choices. Uh, today, the, the system seems to have women convinced that they have choice because they can murder their babies, but if they choose to do something else, like uh, choose a different form of health care that isn't uh, sanctioned by the FDA or the uh, you know, medical death card establishment, then they'll put you in jail or they'll put you in jail for trying to treat your children with something that isn't um, medically um, accepted but uh, actually does heal like talking about THC resin right. and all the wonderful things that's happening with that right now. So yeah, we're, we're big at the bonus of um, what are your thoughts on recent efforts of legalization, say in Colorado? Um, do they go far enough? There are some who are complaining about potential taxation of it, and they're not fans of taxes for any reason, really. Well, um, Colorado is a good start uh, until everybody can legally grow and use and make uh, improved products from the, the basic substance that's grown in your backyard. Yeah, until everybody is free from jails that shouldn't be there because they chose to use a plant and uh, chose to uh, imbibe in a different type of vitamin than what is sanctioned at the moment in, in many of the states. But yeah, until every one of us is free and we can grow free, then uh, I won't stop. Yeah, Pennsylvania here, where we're from, with bands located, a little bit archaic, and they'll probably be one of the last uh, states to legalize, which is a shame. Um, <coughs> I mean, I, I, I personally know of somebody who, and by the way, I work, you know, beyond what I do with the website and everything else, I work in retail, and I had a co-worker who once worked where I was at, and and he lost his job because about several months earlier he was busted for selling a very small amount of weed to an undercover cop and he was explaining to me how once you're in the system they do everything possible to keep you in the system the way he explained it was like this well obviously he well on probation he can't consume alcohol He's technically in. He's in school, so he doesn't technically have to have a job. He's in in higher education, quote unquote, bettering himself. But if he happens to be driving by, you know, say a frat house where they're having a big booze fest, and he gets pulled over, even if he's not attending that, he's just passing through. Violation of probation. Um, all sorts of. Uh, very, very arduous things that are thrown in one person's way, almost as if they want you to fail and wind up in prison anyway. Yeah, we have, we, we have a very sick, uh, psychopathic mentality at the at the top, and it has nothing to do about correction or healing or anything like that. It's all about money and numbers and keeping people in jail so that the price of drugs stay high, so that those who are the big drug dealers, not the people on the corner, but the real ones that are you know, supposedly guarding our borders while they let all their drug dealers and drugs, you know, ship us through and we bust everybody else. So, yeah, it's, uh, you want to see crime plummet, you know, legalize all drugs. Uh, I'm into, the ban is into legalizing all drugs because 
unless you get rid of the licitness that comes along with it, um, you're still going to have corruption in the system, whether it's the prisons, the judges, the cops. And to get rid of that corruptibility and uh, the corruption, the drugs have to be legal. And um, I don't see what, what the problem is uh, unless what happens with uh, marijuana is you and I can grow it in our backyards. Well, you're not going to go down and buy your case of beer every week like you used to. You might buy a case of beer once a month. So the alcohol industry is not very happy with you. And then, um, you know, the people that were taking the Zoloft, the Xanax, the Paxil, and all those other SSRI type of drugs, they won't be buying those expensive drugs anymore because they'll be growing their own medicine in their own backyard. So the biggest impediment to, I think, the legalization of marijuana has been the medical pharmaceutical slash alcohol food that it directly competes with their products. And it's something that you and I depend on grow for ourselves to make for ourselves. And, uh, it's one situation for the I I once um, once overheard you know somebody at a restaurant who basically works at a prison and he he basically said he and his coworkers once said you know yeah if you legalize marijuana yeah we're not going to get drunk as often <laughs> it would actually benefit them as well. So it, it's a very, very uh, interesting perspective to have. Um, you, you kind of mentioned the prison system. Um, in a documentary, I once heard uh, Pennsylvania referred to as the prison state. Um, how accurate is that? Um, no, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I just know that America is the police state, prison state. We jail more of our people than any other nation in this country, in the world, and we're supposed to be a free nation. And we're not free. We are a compartmentalized, monopolistic, uh, unfair free market. And um, only those that have permission to, to sell their goods get to sell it. Everybody else, somebody has goods to sell. If you don't have your, uh, your UPC code, you don't have your uh, 9001, uh, you know, whatever they call that. And you don't get to sell the system, man. And if you do, they, they send out the, uh, their, their agents to harass and get out your, uh, your substance. And I've seen a lot of that happening in the food, food industry. Um, you know, my family is into free range food. We're into, uh, natural food. We're not into the, the Monsanto pesticide GMO leading crap that's, uh, killing us basically. And, uh, the food police are, are insane right now, man. They'll, They'll go to a, a vending trading area and destroy all the food, even though the people all there, remember, we're supposedly free and we're supposed to be able to have choice. We put it into our bodies. This isn't even drugs anymore. This is food, milk or eggs or uh, free-range meat. And uh, they've come in and poured chlorine on it. I mean, it's just disgusting what these social psychopaths are doing these days. We live in a very scary time, man, because these freaks are empowered with guns and every branch of the government is now armed to the teeth. Well, you, going back to um, going back to your music, you said you tried to become, you know, the Beatles of your generation. Um, what happened to that, and um, you know, how difficult has it been for band such as Poker Face to remain independent from uh, other bands and other artists and major record labels? Well, see, 99, 2000, the labels came out to see us. Um, 
we were up and coming with Nickelback at the same time. And as long as you want to sing about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, things are good. You can have a career. But if you want to talk about things that are conscious oriented, we're talking about uh, abuses of government or corporations or banks. Uh, then the labels don't want to touch you. And, and he said, said as much. So basically, uh, the live show is great. You guys pull off live what you guys do on the disc. The Army's rock. You know, the, the presentation's solid. But you got to tone down that politically incorrect lyric. And we're all looking at these, these uh, label people. We're like, then what the hell did you guys even come out? I mean, the, the lyric is, is what the band's about. And this is the direction we're headed in. And uh, because we chose that, We've had to take the more difficult route. Um, we don't get to, you know, be on um, on Rolling Stone magazine and things like that. But we've still um, carved out our own path, and we're known internationally for the politics and for the uh, the things we talk about on the spiritual side. Uh, we still get to work with some of the best in the industry, uh, whether it's uh, co-writing with uh, some of the co-writers that we've done. Uh, or, you know, working with uh, producers like Toby Wright, who, I don't know, did all of Alice in Chains albums uh, while Lane Stanley was alive, and Tricks Corn, worked with Bob Marley. Uh, pretty much, if you listen to anything in the late 80s, 90s, and 2000, you heard Toby's work. Um, we've had the pleasure of working with uh, greats like Mark Farner from Grand Punk Railroad. In fact, uh, he just got picked up by a new label called uh, The Legends of Rock. And so a song that we co-wrote with him uh, got recut and was going to be pushed as the single off of that disc. So looking, uh, you know, for some good things happen there. Uh, we put on a yearly festival called Freedom Palooza. It's the most politically incorrect uh, freedom-oriented festival in the nation. And then we're going on year five. And uh, the type of shows that we play aren't necessarily clubs, even though we do play some club shows, but a lot of them are, again, political or... Things that we're interested in, rights-oriented, like guns, because uh, they keep us free. So we do a bunch of gun events, and we have one coming up in two weeks down in Knott Creek, Kentucky, called the Knott Creek Machine Gun Shoot. And uh, it's a place we get to see fans or friends from all the surrounding states, man. So it's a great time, and we get to catch up with a lot of people. Um, we put a lot of uh, faces to the names and voices that we've talked to over the years. And if you live anywhere close to their Thomas, uh, I definitely uh, recommend that you go out. It's uh, 10th to the 12th. And you can look it up at uh, Um What area is this in again? It's half hour south of Louisville. It's in Kentucky. It's uh, right up the road from Fort Knox, where there's no more gold. <laughs> and uh, it's a weekend where, yeah, right? Uh, it's a weekend where they blow up everything from water heaters to cars to boats to buses to motorhomes and everything in between. It's... It's a great place where, you know, we practice our Americanism to the fullest. And the best part that comes along with it is the pole barn that's got anywhere from 700 to 1,000 different vendors selling everything from ammunition, the bulletproof vest, the flares, the clothing, the food, jerky, and, you know, anything that you can imagine that the community is into, they're selling that. So it's pretty awesome. It's not that much either. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm all the way in. Near, I'm like, not very far from, say, Kansas City, so that's that's a bit far off for me. Okay. But, um, but uh, thank you for letting our listeners know about that event. Um, you mentioned political events, rallies, right. and what have you, right? Um, 
I remember something that happened when Ed and Lane Brown had the conflict uh, regarding income taxes and their standoff, and you were your band played there, and and the helicopter started coming down <laughs> during one of your songs. Um, would you like to kind of tell the story of that um, happening? July 14th, 2007, uh, the Browns were right. Our government was wrong. Um, in fact, another another patriot uh, by the name of Tom, I forget his last name, he fought on the same issues and same grounds, and he got acquitted. So uh, he had a better jury, obviously. Uh, the jury actually uh, listened to the law, what was law. And unfortunately for the uh, the Browns, um, I think at the end, it was a judge that lived next door that wanted the property. But um, they were basically on the siege, and... Uh, our buddy uh, Danny, uh, Danny Romero from America Free Freedom Radio, and a few other folks uh, decided to go up there, and they did something a month before for that uh, that event, and um, to, to basically make sure that Eddie Lane didn't get, um, you know, arcaded, suicided by the federal government. So the following month in July, Danny asked us uh, to come up and headline, uh, you know, three or four bands were going to play along with us. And the whole day, the helicopter was flying around. It wasn't just, uh, you know, when we were playing, but when we were playing, they, uh, they were hovering a lot lower. Uh, it started to get dark. They brought out the sunburst, uh, really bright, uh, uh lens that they, they, they were blasting us with. And it was, it was probably the only gig I, that I can remember that we wore bulletproof, uh, vests because we do take uh, our coverage seriously, our murders. And depending on the nut that's behind the, the gun pointing at us, whether they decide to shoot like a lot or Yuchi, uh, you never know if you're going to die that day. So we, take, we took it very serious. But um, the funniest thing was at the end of the night when the, the helicopter was hovering right above our van and, and they were shining the bright spotlight, our, our bass player, Dennis, you know, decides, is that right? So he pulls out his, his, his pants and drops, drops the trowel and shines his, uh, his ass up at the man. <laughs> of where people stand on on the issue of the federal income tax. Um, I am personally particularly a believer of, you know, make sure the punishment fits the so-called crime. And from what I've been reading on the subject, the, the Browns have been treated quite horribly and all of that. And it's, it's really terrible. And... And all of that, it's, I find it horrifying that, you know, an elderly couple is being treated worse than the worst white-collar offender, you know, from Wall Street. And they're the ones that... Or even a murderer or a rapist, man, you know, those are violent crimes and these people are dealing, you know, uh, with a harsher sentence and, and, and rights, real rights violators, you know, will have to endure disgusting. It's a travesty. But uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a symptom of our decaying system here. What 
um, what changes has your band gone through recently? I noticed that in the past there were four people. Now I just generally see three. You told me you now have a rotating person depending upon what part of the country you're playing in now. And um, let's see, it's, it's been the three of us since 1997, 98, which would be Dennis Spiler on bass, uh, Brett Griffiths on guitar and drums, and, uh, and myself, Paul Tepetti, I do uh, keys, rhythm, and I sing lead. But uh, we've had two drummers probably like over, over 15 years. They would go for two or three years at a time. And, uh, you know, they dropped on hand of the time back to the other one. But for the last four years, we, we basically uh, parted ways with both of those drummers. And we have uh, three or four friends that we play with uh, that know our music. So it kind of gives us some flexibility. Until the right person, you know, that's like a Brett or like a Dennis or myself comes into the band, we, we're we not just going to settle on any drummer. So we basically have been searching for the last four years for a beat drummer, but in the meantime, we got some some cool friends that play drums that like our music, and it still allows us to do gigs, and, um, you know, that's the guy that does the drumming for the recording, so we can continue on, you know. Um, what advice do you have for any independent artist or band um, who may be trying to get their voice out there, so to speak, and and what mistakes have you all made as a band and as individuals and how and what can people do to avoid those same mistakes? Um, well, with any artist, uh, whatever your craft is, you know, believe in it and do it and do a lot of it. Produce. If you're going to make it, make it. You know, make the music. I was just talking about it, which is, you know, uh, talk about the fantasy of it, actually do the work, you know, conceive it, grow it, produce it, put it down, work on it, refine it, and make a lot of it so that when you do have something that comes up or somebody's looking for something, you have, you know, catalog from which to, uh, you know, show them. A lot, a lot of times, you know, especially artists, man, lazy and don't want to do the work. And, you know, we're our own worst enemies in terms of not wanting to get out of bed and get the stuff done that needs to get done. But get the work done and then, you know, and then do the parting. I mean, too much of the parting is done and not enough of the work is done. And I think that's the one thing that we need to get back to is a good work ethic. Um, I, I don't know. Would I do anything differently in, in my career? No, because I have to be true and honest with myself. I, I could sell out. And, and shut my voice up just because I want an easier life. An easier life doesn't mean that's good for my country. An easier life means I'm being very selfish and self-centered. I want what's best for my country. That's why I'm not writing about uh, boy-girl love songs anymore because the state of this nation and the world is not in a good place right now. Nobody wants to hear that when everybody else is trying to kill each other. So we're writing songs that, like, you know, rip your face off and, and, and hit you to, to the core. Or, or to your soul so that you start to think about things a little differently instead of just being a mindless robot in a automaton. Just have to sweat and put thinking things. We try to get you to stop and think and pause and meditate on that thought and actually do something with it then instead of just like, you know, oh, somebody else will do it. You know, and so enough of the middle class has no home to go to or has no job to go to. There'll be no revolution in the streets. The other thing that we always say is until the beer stops flowing and the sports stops showing, there'll be no revolution in the streets. But it is coming because I'm seeing 
abuses not being redressed and abuses continue to get worse and worse in this country. And there's the law of nature, man, and there is a book that's coming. And um, I hope to, to, to see through my lifetime and work through so that my children went to put it a little more country world than I was given. So, but getting back to your and stay true to what you're into and do it. Talk about it. So, um, getting into uh, some aspects of uh, your spirituality, you, you, I, I peeked at your Facebook profiles about page, and you say you're Christian. You don't apologize for it. Are you part of any denomination in particular? Do you go to a church on a regular basis, or not so much? Um, I've really been happy with uh, the hierarchy of the Catholic Church for many, 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 many years now. I uh, became more of a Bible student, studying with uh, Shepherd's Chapel, uh, a pastor by the name of Pastor Alan Murray, who, uh, I don't know, man, he didn't just teach the Word, he taught the archaeology, he taught the, uh, the customs of the times, what was going on, so that you had a, a better understanding of what was going on when the Word was written, put down. So I think in terms of that, um, we have two fellowship groups, one that meets on Sunday, the other Friday is. So for me, that's church. I don't attend an, an organized religion anywhere. It's more of uh, getting together with people that want to talk about the work, study it, and learn it to the fullest. And um, I, I find out that too many people in the pulpit have no fucking clue, excuse my language, what's what's in the work to begin with. All they're doing is parroting what other people said and, and actually don't have an understanding of what they just said to somebody. Um, I'm tired of looking at the same thing with your health. You're responsible for your health, not the doctor. Okay. Same thing with your spiritual health. You're responsible for it. Not the pastor, not the priest, not the rabbi, but you yourself. And, uh, so yeah, I've been more of a student, really, uh, really have been reading a lot and not just the word, but just, uh, that, uh, this, this is the one thing, um, if the, if the church is going to teach the word, and they can't even back up the first book, which is creation. Why, why should anybody believe the rest of the book? So uh, me and my little gang of friends have been doing a lot of research into the creation. And we met some uh, pretty awesome creation scientists that can blow away anything on the evolution side. And I'm really happy to do That's the thing I do, especially with our basic friends, put up the dates of all the dates. <laughs> So 
And the the individual's name you mentioned, Murray, he obviously uses the King James Bible combined with supplemental texts and everything else. Have you tried to... He uses, he, he uses what you call the Companion Bible, which is the King James Version on the one side, and then it has accompanying texts, which is things like, what does the word mean? What's the root of it? Where can you find this elsewhere in the Bible? But what else is this, um, you know, talking about... Strong's Concordance? Uh, okay, the Strong's Concordance, right? Oh, yeah, that's, that's one of the main books that he, he teaches. He uses. So you can get to the root, the Aramaic, the Hebrew, the Greek, so that you can have a fuller understanding of what that word is that you're, you're actually, you know, and a lot of times you find out that it's, it's mistranslated. Like one of the biggest words that's mistranslated, and I feel purposely, is thou shalt fear the Lord. And as a child, that never made sense to me. Why would my creator want me to fear him? But when you actually look up that word, and either the Greek or the Hebrew, it's reverence. That I shall revere the Lord. That makes a hell of a lot more sense for some created you to love. That he wants you to love him, not to fear him. I think that the closest thing that you can get to fear is just being on him. Okay, not fear of him. You know, it's sometimes they get past the teachers because there's some of them are not so good, and you actually like got to get to the source of it yourself and teach yourself with it. Um, out of curiosity, have you ever tried to read the Geneva Bible? It it was published uh, many, many years before King James, and apparently it's written in very, very old English, which my, I, I tried looking at it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I could not read that. <laughs> um, just a curiosity on my part. Have you ever tried reading the Geneva Bible or no? I can't say, I can't say that annoyingly, like, oh, okay, I'm reading the Geneva Bible. Not, not that. Um, I can specifically say, oh, this was the Geneva Bible I read. So no. But, um, so, um, I know this is a horrible transition on my part, but, um, what are what are your future plans after uh, Freedom Palooza and and other events? Um, you said you were going to release um, your newest album sometime this year. Do you have any specific pinpointed approximate month this year, or is it still in the works? Um, we're, we're wrapping up the recording. We don't have a lot left. And then we ship it off to Toby, or he's uh, make some master it, and then we'll put it in a package and get, excuse me, get it out. We'll probably shoot for uh, for October when the second machine shoot happens, which is a second October. So I think that's that's more than a shoot for a release date with that to coincide with that weekend. And and I notice now you have a an online store where people can buy digital tracks as as well as physical. Uh, copies. Um, what what convinced you to um, make an attempt like that? Um, well, everything is going, uh, you know, MP3, MP4 way, uh, especially with cell phones. And we don't care how people get the music in their hands. And most of the time, we offer a lot of free music. Uh, we've always played at patriotic events for cost because we we rather 
you know, we'd rather have our presence there to aid the event so that it's as as positive or as big as it can get. Uh, We we don't do this for the money. If we did, we would have sold out back in 99 and had had a real music career in terms of, you know, actually having, uh, you know, tours and MTV videos and all the other support that the labels give you. But since we chose to keep the integrity, then, you know, we are where we're at. And, um, have you cons- have you considered um, crowdfunding pages such as Indiegogo, uh, GoFundMe, um, Patreon to um, support yourselves financially, or not so much? Uh, it's something that we're just uh, beginning to become aware of, and we might do it in the future. We generally fund our own uh, discs and our own our own adventures. Uh, I, I can see how those tools could be of use and, you know, it's definitely something to consider if it's, you know, helping us put on the event or helping us put together our music video or helping to release a, a disc in the future. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that stuff is, is out there and growing. So um, anything that helps to get what you're, what you're doing out to the people is a good thing. Well, Paul, I'm, I, I thank you very much for, um, taking time out of your busy life to uh, talk with us for a bit. Um, how can people discover your music? What, Where is your website at, and where else can you be found online? Uh, for the music, it's pokerface.com. Uh, for our political forum board, um, it's pokerface.org. And for a little proposal, which we hope to, to take uh, around the country and, and make it a yearly event, is at Freedom Palooza, one word P A L O Z A, Freedom Palooza.com. And it's going to be uh, July 2nd through the 5th this year. So now we're north of Philadelphia, it's on the East Coast. And uh, the speaker lineup is, is looking uh, pretty incredible so far. Well, again, I, I thank you very much, um, uh, Paul. Thanks for coming on. And hey, listen, you have a wonderful evening. Um, I look forward to listening to your latest album. And um, hopefully, we'll have you on for future episodes. That'd be great, brother. Thanks for having me on, man. No problem. Um, you take care. Have a good evening. All right, man? All right. Take care. Good night. Good night. And uh, with that, that was uh, Paul Tapetti of. Poker Face. Um, their website is uh, pokerface.com. Um, they they can also be found everywhere else online. They used to use MySpace back when it was um, actual social networking as opposed to just for uh, music only. That man that brings back memories. But um, and some of his views we. And band's views, we've only begun to scratch the surface with. Uh, there's a lot more to it than just uh, that. But um, um, he's um, he is. I remember a conversation with him years ago at the beginning of a show on the Revere Radio Network, where equipment just wasn't cooperating and it just kind of, you know, just crashed and burned. But I remember. Him pointing out the flaws of 
the music industry, the mainstream music industry in and of itself, where um, people were still asking, hey, you know, the, the, the very, very agency that was supposed to ensure that artists got paid, um, they never got paid for their work and for their time. And I think that's part of the reason why you see more and more people uh, rejecting the traditional um, thought of music making, producing, and publishing for profit. Um, there's there's now more free culture out there. There's also you know crowdfunding, which I mentioned earlier. And this is going to be somewhat of a short episode. And if you you're going to hear some clicks in the audio. Um, one of the problems with recording through the telephone, particularly cell phones in particular, is that every now and then signal interference will happen no matter where you're at, and it can cause some crackliness, especially if you go through speakerphone and everything else. And that's part of why I recorded this episode on my RCA Pro Edition tablet. Um, because it would be the best option because it's going basically going onto storage that has no moving parts, not a hard drive or anything else with moving heads. So that's that was going to be the most effective ways of communicating uh, while having okay quality and everything else. Um, with that in mind. Um, that's why we also have the show notes. So the links in question will be in the show notes, um, and I'll clarify with him which uh, which gun event at Kentucky um, there was again because this is this was more conversational. I did not have an additional machine in front of me to look these things up. I just we just spoke back and forth and everything else. So um, again, I thank you for listening to this episode of The Next Report, um, where we cover Unix and Overlook pop culture. And I do appreciate um, everybody for, you know, tuning into the RSS feed and everything else. Um, uh, if you want to suggest guests or anything else, or have feedback for this particular episode, um, feel free to email the the email that's specified in the RSS feed and everything else. Um, I have had the bad habit of not checking that email, and I do apologize for that. I need to do a better job of that. But you can also reach us through our Google Voice number, uh, 660-474-0345. Um, leave a message, and you could very well wind up on a future episode of the podcast. Your permission, of course, if you don't want us to include your voice, you just want to ask a question and provide feedback, we'll respond to it all the same. We'll just uh, read what you said out loud, but it'd be easier if we could just, you know, we can download voicemail, import it, and everything else, and it really, really comes in handy. That's how Stephen Kelly was able to... Um, provide some feedback um, and story for uh, one of our past episodes many, 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 many months ago. So 
Um, there you go. Um, you can also visit us at thenextreport.com, where our social networking sidebar leads you to most of our um, sites that we are also a part of. We are on Facebook. We are on YouTube, Google+, uh, uh, Twitter. We are also on Tumblr as well, thenextreport.tumblr.com. Though that is not as used as often, but every now and then we'll have something special for our followers on Tumblr. Um, and of course, those act as a gateway back to the website, which I will be updating. And no, I did not meet my goal of converting all those issues of the digital magazine to HTML format. But you know what? That's okay, because life kind of happened to me and... You know, I need that chance to kind of relax, regroup, refocus, and everything else. But I do plan on getting those done in the very near future while beginning to work on uh, future issues of the magazine and all of that. So, again, thenextreport.com. Um, our primary email is thenextreport at gmail.com. So, if you have feedback for this episode or website or anything else, you want to suggest a topic, a guest even, uh, thenextreport at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. Entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. Uh, this is Thomas Holbrook II speaking, signing out for the evening. Thank you very much, and have a good one.